0: We're looking at <clears throat> Proverbs tonight. We're gonna to start out in Colossians chapter four, but we're gonna spend the most of the evening in Colossians and, uh, I mean, excuse me, in Proverbs. Colossians chapter four and verse six, and then we're gonna to go to the book of Proverbs. Proverbs means wise sayings, wise sayings. So we're gonna look at some wise sayings tonight. But in Colossians chapter four, Verses five and six, it says here, walk in wisdom toward them that are without. That means people outside the church, lost people. Colossians four five, and I forgot to have you stand. Let's stand and read these two verses, I am sorry. I forget the, the good tradition we have here. It says, walk in wisdom toward them that are without, redeeming the time. Let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt that you may know how you ought to answer every man. Let your speech be always with grace. Bless us, Lord. If we take a look in your book for a walk in this world, that we'll glean something that's helpful for us. Lord, help convict our hearts about this matter of speech and what we say. I'm guilty and we're all guilty, Lord, before you as we say things we shouldn't say. Help us to just learn tonight how important it is to work on seasoning our speech with salt. Bless now in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, you may be seated. Walk in wisdom. And that word wisdom is the word Sophia. We get our word sophisticated from it. When we think of the word sophisticated in our culture, we think of snobby people, right? And that's not really what it means. We are sophisticated beings when we're walking with the Lord toward those who are without. And then he says, let your speech be always with grace, seasoned with salt. That word speech is the word logos. We use that to describe the word. In the beginning was the word logos. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us, the Lord Jesus. And so we want to be like him. We want to be like him in how we live our lives. And so I'm going to mention four things. I'm not going to have you turn there until we get to Proverbs chapter six. But uh, we're going to mention four things to work on and then seven sins of the tongue. First of all, we need to learn to retain the harmless, retain the harmless. Proverbs 15, 28 says, The heart of the righteous studieth to answer. The heart of the righteous studieth to answer. Retain the harmless. Second, we need to repeat the helpful. Proverbs 10, 19 says, He that refraineth his lips is wise. So we only need to repeat things that are helpful. Third, we need to refuse the harmful. The Bible says, A talebearer revealeth secrets. But he that is of a faithful spirit concealeth the matter. It also says a prudent man concealeth knowledge. And it says he that spareth his words is a man of understanding. So we need to be careful to refuse things that will harm others. So it's, it, we retain the, 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 the harmless. It's okay to learn about people, learn about things that are harmless. But when it comes to things that are helpful, we want to we, we wanna repeat those things because they're encouraging, encourage people, help people. But then we need to refuse harmful things uh, because there are things that are said that are harmful. And then finally, rebuke the hateful. Proverbs 27.5 says, open rebuke is better than secret love. Sometimes we need to speak up and say, hey, don't say that. It's just not nice. And we know lives have been ruined by the terrible deeds of the tongue, and James tells us, no man can tame the tongue. You can work on it, work on it, work on it, and you're still going to say things you shouldn't say. You know, you remember your first fight in marriage? It started with words. <laughs> you know, you said something, you didn't, you didn't understand your spouse, and before you know it, you're arguing, there's contention there. And so we know that words have caused great damage in the Christian walk. Now let's look at Proverbs chapter 6 in verse 17. We're going to mention seven sins, seven sins of the tongue, and beginning in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 17. And a great verse. There are six things listed, and the seventh is an abomination here. And the verse 17 says, a proud look, and then it says what? A lying tongue. So lying is, is, is the first thing. It's challenging to try to live a life without ever lying. And there are times that we, we tell the Rahab lie, because we know there is, if we tell the truth, it's going to be worse than the, the Rahab lie. You know, years ago, a lady came up to me and, in, in my father-in-law's church. And she said, how do I look in this dress? And folks, I lied. I said, you look fine. And she looked awful. She had a stain on the dress. She's kind of a slow person. And I just knew if I said, well, you look awful. You got a big stain. It's not even pressed. It's wrinkled. I would have been, you know, I'd have been the lowest form of human being in the church. And so I lied and said, you look great. And that wasn't true. And I went away and said, Lord, forgive me. And there are times, you know, that you, you tell the Rahab lie. You remember Rahab lied to hide and protect the spies. God didn't judge her for it. So it's very difficult to live a life without ever lying. But we, a lot of times, don't just tell little white lies. We tell big black lies. And we, we just lie for our convenience to make ourselves look better. Proverbs twelve twenty two says, and these are wise sayings. That's what the book of Proverbs means. We, we learn in Colossians to have our speech seasoned with salt. And Jesus tells us we're the salt of the earth. And so we need to be careful what we say. Proverbs chapter 12 and verse 22 says, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. Then Ephesians 4.25, you won't be able to keep up, but Ephesians 4.25 said we need to put away lying. Put away lying. First Corinthians 3.9 says, lie not one to another. So our tongue is full of lies. I mean, we are deceitful and we're not following the Holy Spirit. Uh, we're lying and, and certainly that's bad. And then we're gonna go to Proverbs. You don't have to go there, but we go to Proverbs chapter Twenty-six, verse 28. And, um, it says here that, uh, a lying tongue hateth those afflicted by it. And it goes on to say, and a flattering mouth worketh ruin a flatterer. Now, ladies, if you've gone in the workplace, you understand when a man's flattering you saying things about your appearance because he's interested in you. And sometimes we, we, um, we have a, a boss who's terrible, and, and we tend to flatter him. Oh, yeah, you're a good boss, or, uh, you know, you really look sharp today, or you're a good leader, good decision. That's flattery, and that's deceptive, because we have to be honest with one another. So flattery is another sin of the tongue. It says, a man that flattereth his neighbors spreadeth a net for his feet. Proverbs, uh, that's Proverbs 29. Proverbs 12:3. they speak vanity, everyone with his neighbor, with flattering lips. And and Proverbs 20, 19 says, therefore, meddle not with him that flattereth with his lips. So we're told to avoid someone who flatters all the time. A wife always knows when her husband's flattering. He's in trouble with her, so he starts to say things he doesn't normally say, and she's wise to it. She right away knows knows what you're doing. And uh, so, you know, we have to be consistent in our speech. And so be careful with flattery. Third, slander is another sin of the tongue. Another wise saying we find several wise sayings in Proverbs, chapter 10 verse 18. It says, "He that uttereth slander is a fool." Proverbs 16:28, and a whisper separateth cheap chief friends. Psalm 101 verse five, "Whoso privately privately slandereth his neighbor, him will I cut off. So clearly slander. And I'll tell you what, I've seen slander firsthand so often. Being a pastor over the years, I always can see through envy. When you have people in the church who are envious of other people in the church, you can see it. They they come up and say something slanderous about someone else. They don't realize what they're doing all the time. Sometimes it's just outright hate. I had a lady one time say, I just don't like him. I don't like her either. Well, you know, that was just rude, but... Sometimes you have, you know, people who will slander someone because they're envious of them. And they want you to know something bad about them so that you stop loving them as much as you love them. As a pastor, it's hard, you know, to, to love everybody equally. I try very hard, and all pastors should try hard. And uh, but But it's just very difficult. Certain people have personalities that mesh with yours, and you get along great with them. And other people, just their personalities kind of rub you the wrong way. And not necessarily here at Anchor, you're all perfect. But, uh, you, know, you know, it's challenging sometimes to, to uh, get along with everyone equally. Uh, and, and, and over the years, I mean, even here when I was here before, there were some difficult people here. And I was interim pastor for two and a half years and I, I, it was very ironic, the things that went back and forth between people who just didn't like each other. And you have to be careful because slander is a serious thing. Sometimes people slander others because they don't like them or they're envious of them. And slander is dishonest because you're saying something about someone that's not necessarily true. Then there's towel bearing. Proverbs 8:18 8, says, the words of a towel bearer are as wounds. They go down into the innermost parts of the belly. Uh, Proverbs 26 says, where, there, where no wood is, there the fire goeth out. So where there's no towel bearer, the strife ceases. ceases, ceases. We'll go the, the normal word, ceases. And, and we know that, 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 that when you sped, spread towels, you're a towel bearer and you harm people. I saw a TV show last night and uh, very frustrating to me. This lady up in Canada, she's raised in a very strict Baptist church And she was picked on her whole life as a young girl, ended up killing people in a nursing home. And I was like appalled at her behavior. And I thought, what kind of a Christian? But then I thought she was picked on about her appearance all through her childhood. That's a hard thing to deal with. And the people who picked on her certainly have a part in her being messed up. No excuse for what she did, but tail bearing, telling tales about people. Then We look at Proverbs 20, verse 25. Another one listed is unkept vows. It's a snare to a man uh, who devoureth them which is holy and and after vows to make inquiry. Ecclesiastes chapter 5 says this, verses 2 through 7. Let not thine heart be hasty to utter anything before God. Think about all the vows that are broken in our country. We can talk about the military people you know, they, they they swear to uphold the Constitution. Our politicians break their vows. The military, they raise their right hand. And, and some of them, you know, run away from battle. And defa- defector, de- defectors from the military. Um, it's not the right word. I can't think of the right word. And then think of all the marriages. For better or for worse. In sickness and in health till death do us part. And I mean, we all have people all around us. We know that have had a difficult time keeping that vow. Maybe you've been on a, the the bad end of a relationship where your partner broke the vows, but we know marriage vows don't mean anything anymore. <clears throat> you know, um, because people don't keep their vows. <laughs> he says, When thou vowest to vow unto God, defer not to pay it. He says, Pay that which is vowed. Better it is that thou shouldest not vow than thou shouldst vow and not pay. And of course, that, that Ecclesiastes is talking about finances but how many times do people take vows and not keep their word? Um, I rent, rent part of our building to a, a lawyer and he came over and he said, hey, do we need to do a lease? I said, no, just tell me you're gonna pay your rent. And he's paid his rent every time we just shook hands. And there was a day when you could do that and trust people, I trust him. But you know good and well, if you, if you rent property or deal with people, I don't know how many people renting property to them, I, I'm down to one rental. I want to sell that next year. I don't know how many people have said to me, I'll have the money over to your office tomorrow. I promise, just don't evict me. Tomorrow comes and goes. They said they're going to do something. The Bible says let your yea be yea and your nay be nay, keep your word. Breaking your word is no different than breaking a vow. When you give someone your word, keep your word. And we do that a lot. Then the sixth one, and we're going to turn here I want you to see the severity of this one. Proverbs chapter seventeen. Actually, Proverbs chapter six. I'll read verse. I'll read Proverbs seventeen. Proverbs chapter six, where you were before. Before we look at that, uh, the matter of discord. Proverbs seventeen nine says, "He that repeateth a matter separateth close friends or very friends." But Proverbs six nineteen. And I love that section in Proverbs. It says, these six things doth the Lord hate, and yea, seven are an abomination unto him. But it goes on to say, and it lists the six sins. And then the last one, it says, and he that sowed discord among the brethren. Do you know there's only two times in the Bible where God says he hates a person? He names one of them, and then two unnamed people. I should say three times. God, the Bible says God hates Esau. Now, God died for all the sinners of the world, but Psalm 5.5 5 says God hates sinners. So, and here's another one. God says he hates those that cause discord among the brethren. Look at verse 19. A false witness that speaketh lies is one of the people that is referenced here. But then it says, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. God hates that. He hates people that divide people. Why do people do that? Again, envy. They want to be a best friend. How many shows have we seen on TV? I love these crime shows, obviously. I wanted to be a detective, and I had a degree in criminal justice. I was in the ride-along program, and I thought, I am, I'm, I'm going to be a good detective. And, I, and so I watch these crime shows, and I watched one oh, a few years back. I don't remember when. And these girls in high school that were very close, three of them, there was envy, envy there. And, and two of them were fighting over the same best friend. And so two of them decided to kill the other girl and they killed this teenage girl, all because of envy. And we see that all the time. And they began to talk bad. The girl turned, one girl turned another girl against the third girl by constantly lying to her and saying things she was supposedly saying and doing and turned her against, and eventually they killed this girl. now that's an extreme example, kind of a hyperbole, but how many times do we know young people in school will lie about one another? tell falsehoods. I, I remember in high school on the ball team, uh, I didn't play my junior year. I had a broken arm and I was a football player all the way through high school. But in basketball, I missed a year. So I came back and I led the team in several categories, block shots, rebounds, and scoring. I was up near the top. But the guy who was envious of me, my neighbor, went around, and told everybody to vote Mao for most improved because he didn't play last year. He really worked that thing well get everybody to vote for me for most improved like he was doing me a favor in that way he would have more votes for MVP because he led the team in scoring. All of us have experienced that, haven't you? Where someone did that to you to, to, uh, you know, try to turn people against you, maybe in a malicious way or maybe in a, in a clever way like that. He wasn't hurting me, but he was trying to help himself. He wasn't honest. And, and so he, he just just was trying to get everybody to like him better. It wasn't really about me, but here we know God hates those who sow discord. God hates perjury. He hates uh, people who bear false witness. So all these sins of the tongue. So now let's look at three things we can do. Proverbs 17, 28 and 29. Proverbs 17, 28 and 29. Let's just look at 28. Proverbs 17, verse 28. Here are some tips on what to do. I love this verse and it's so convicting to me. I just talk too much. I talk too much. My conversations people, I ramble on and on and on and on. That's part of being insecure sometimes. It's part of just control. You want to control the conversation. I've done that and you've done that. But here it says here, Proverbs 1728. This is one of those you should mark in your Bible and memorize it. Even a fool, even a fool when he holdeth his peace is counted wise. And he that shutteth his lips is esteemed a man of understanding. Isn't that great? Isn't that great? My mother was a great listener. At my mother's funeral, I was preaching and I was talking about my mother and my aunt who were one year apart, looked alike, talked alike, My aunt dyed her hair and my mother wouldn't. That's the only difference. And I talked about how similar they were. And my cousin, her mother I was referencing, came up afterwards and said, Dan, the difference in your mom and my mom was your mom was a great listener. My mom talked and talked and talked. But your mom always listened. She always wanted to know about my life. And she'd listen to me as I talked and talked to your mother. She's a great listener. And I thought, isn't that a great testimony from my mom? And I, and I remember my mom listening all the time. And a person who's, and my mom was an intelligent lady, but here it says even a fool, even an idiot, even someone who doesn't have any sense at all. If they don't say anything, they're considered wise. I don't know if I should tell you this, but years ago, as a teenager, I saw a movie called One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. And this is this, I don't remember the movie, okay, but I remember laughing. There was a scene where all these mentally impaired people got on a boat to go fishing. And all of them were told, obviously, to keep your mouth shut. And they're pulling out of the harbor, and they're going by the harbor master and some other people, maybe officials who are in charge. And they asked him what they're doing, and I don't remember how it went, but each of them nodded. He said, this is Dr. So-and-so, and And that guy would kind of nod, and he'd go through all these doctors. And, of course, they were all crazy people but they looked intelligent because they didn't open their mouths. You know, and uh, don't be offended by the fact that I went to a movie, uh, you know, but but I remember how they all looked so intelligent and I was laughing so hard at how he made them look so intelligent. Even a fool, when he keeps his mouth shut, is considered wise. So that's one suggestion I have for you. Then uh, chapter 10, verse 19, Go to Proverbs ten nineteen. The second suggestion, and I know I'm, I'm going so fast tonight. Last week, I looked at the clock. It was 10 till, and I went in high gear. I hadn't slowed down tonight. I didn't need to go this fast. But in chapter 10, verse 19, you want to mark this as well. Second, we want to mark in our Bibles this verse. Is he that, re, excuse me, um, Verse 19, 1019 says, In the multitude of words there wanteth not sin, but he that refraineth his lips is wise. So the fool can appear to be wise, but the people who refrain their lips don't say so much are wise. Wisdom's one of the gifts mentioned in the New Testament. Wisdom is something that we get from God. In fact, the, the, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of God. Fear of the Lord's the beginning of wisdom. I want to be wise and that what that's going to require is for me to shut my mouth, refrain my lips. Um, and a third thing uh, I want to just state, we know that uh, he that refraineth his lips is wise. Just an old wise saying, maybe a Chinese proverb, but I knew my dad quoted it quite often, so I thought it was a mild proverb. My dad used to say, if you can't say anything nice, don't say anything at all. If we would just play by that rule, could you imagine what it does for our church when all of our people spend all week encouraging, uplifting? You know, when churches begin to die and start to lose members, you know what happens? Criticism causes churches to to just go down in attendance. Why, if people come by our house and say, where do you go to church? Oh, I go over there to Anchor. Oh, you like it? Not really. I'm looking for something else. is a big, ugly guy, and, and uh, I don't like the choir man either, and I don't like the music, and I don't like Burgundy. And, you know, I mean, is that going to enhance the church? That Do you think that person will ever come and visit? Of course not. And we've all seen it happen to churches, haven't we? I went to a church with a guy in the community and he went around to all kinds of church members, knocking on the door, asking them to help get rid of the pastor. Well, that was great for the church. And he came to my door and he supported me as a missionary and said, if you don't help me get rid of the preacher, I'm going to drop your mission support. I said, just drop the support now because my calling is not to hurt another pastor. You know, that's just was my response. Even if, even if I go to a church and the pastor's really not a good pastor or a good preacher, you know what I'm going to do? Pray for him. I'm not going to, I'm not going to criticize him. Why? Because I'm going an to answer to the Lord. I want to be considered wise. I, I don't want anybody to be hurt by my big mouth. Uh, Jackie Gleason was a great, the one year, the honeymoon was only on for one year. And he'd say all kinds of things to Alice. You remember, and he'd get so mad one of these days to Alice. I'm going to send you to the moon. You remember that. If you're Well, some of you aren't old enough to remember that. He's obviously sleeping. He doesn't remember it. And, uh, but my point is that, let him sleep, the little guy. I'm not picking on him. But my point is Alice and Jackie would have these big fights. But then afterwards, what would Jackie say? My big mouth. And he, big mouth. Do you remember that? And he'd have to go back to Alice and apologize and it ended up they'd kiss at the end of the show, the half hour show, and, and that only lasted a year. You know, if I could take back all the stupid things I've said, all the things I've said to hurt people, whether they were intentional or not, if I would just slow down, think before I speak, I'd hurt far less people. But all of us have done that. When it comes to the tongue, patience is a virtue. Problem is not many of us are patient and we say things we shouldn't say. And you know, you could all stand up and share a story right now. Pastor, I can tell you about someone I hurt. I can tell you about something I said. I wish I hadn't said it. I wish I could go back. There are things I, I used to call my sister. She didn't have a pimple. She didn't have dandruff, but her name was Pamela Marie Mao. So I called her Pimples, Moles, and I can't remember what the M stood for the last name. You know what she says to me every time she sees me? Or calls me, hey, it's Pimples, Moles, and Dandruff or something, it wasn't Dandruff, but she says that too, she remembers that. I said it all the time. The problem for me was my sister could whip me till I was about 13 or 14. And she gave me a black eye one time. We're friends now, but she hadn't forgotten. But we say so many things like that. Now, as a, as a 10-year-old kid, maybe that can be excused because of immaturity. But sometimes we get older and we have bad habits and we keep doing that. I, I, I always talk about myself in a bad way and, and I wasn't the worst guy on the planet. But I had a guy at school I liked. His name was Patrick. His last name was Paraguay. Paraguay Patrick Paraguay. Paragoy, I'm goy, not goy. And um, he liked me, I could tell. And so he'd come over to the house, we'd go fishing. I taught him how to catch fish and stuff. We became good, but then he he would catch a fish and I would just belittle the fish and, and make fun of his fishing and I'd tease him at school. And finally he said to me, for a guy who wants to be my friend, you sure make it difficult to like you. And I went home and thought about that and thought, man, I'm a jerk, you know, and then one time, as a pastor, I was home, I was about 40, and one of my nephews had played ball, and he was about 6'6", and my and I was probably 35 at the time, and my brother-in-law said, Jason will beat you in one-on-one, and you won't get a shot off, because he's taller than me. But I had played a lot of ball, and I just took him to the claims that I think I beat him, he didn't even score, and I was blocking the shot, and dunking on him, and all that stuff. That's when I could play. And then I said something to him afterwards about, you know, his dad and bragging. And he said, why do you, why do you say that? And I hurt his feelings. because so I made him feel like he wasn't any good. And I mean, I, I, I honestly may have cried that day. I remember I, I, I spent the next week reflecting on how insecure I am to have, not, not to beat him, I'm a competitor, but to say something after beating him. You know, it was so classless. And that bothered me for a week. And honestly, it was a life changing experience. My dad said, You need to read a book by Dale Carnegie, How to Win Friends and Influence People. A secular book. And I read that book and I thought, Wow, wow, I really am bad. I'm so worried about my image and I have such bad self esteem and self worth that I have to treat people like that. I mean, I doubt my nephew remembers it, but I know my nephew thinks highly of me now because from that day forward, I made a change in my life. I went to him, apologized, but years later, I would always compliment him on things. So last Thanksgiving, he, when my mom died, not last Thanksgiving, several years ago, he had everybody over, no, it was my sister's funeral. My sister died of cancer at 56 and we all went over to the house and he had a big turkey and he fed everybody. And I remember writing him a card how proud I was and it meant so much to him. See, our tongues can be life changing. Unfortunately, in two different directions. And if you don't learn to say positive, encouraging things to people, you're no use to God in his kingdom. If you're always negative and critical and you say hateful things. My <laughs> wife remembers when we were first dating, she had a pimple and she told someone, oh, Dan, the first time we went on a date, he said something about a pimple on my face. Another time she wore a dress and she had a little black mark. I said, you've been working on your car? So you know how the first few years of marriage were for me. My mouth got me in trouble. I was like Jackie Gleason. You know, and I had to learn to say those things that are edifying. Every man ought to tell his wife, how beautiful she is once in a while. Compliment her, notice her earrings, her eye makeup, her eyeshadow. Every woman ought to say positive things to her man. He didn't care much about the looks, but he wants to hear you say you appreciate his hard work, the way he treats you. The tongue is full of deadly poison, but for a Christian, it ought to be used to edify, to witness, to praise the Lord. And we have so much potential with our tongue to please God and to make a difference in people's lives. And as a pastor, that's what I want to be to you folks. I want to be someone who, when you see me, you know that you're going to hear kindness. And it's really my, my nephew's response to me and a few other responses over the years caused me to look at me and realize I had a problem in here. Because you know what's in here comes out here. Whatever you have in here, whatever frustration in life, it'll come out. So you better deal with this, the issues of the heart. Let's pray. God, we thank you. Lord, again, I rush through your word, but the teaching is clear that our tongues can be damaging. But if we're patient and we pray and we work very hard, our tongues can be the greatest asset in our life. We can encourage people. We can say the things that make a difference in people's lives in a positive way. And if we're critical, Lord, we'll just disappoint ourselves and disappoint you and hurt other people. Help us to be encouraging with our tongue, not to be dishonest, to be a towel bearer, a gossiper, a critical person, but to be uplifting. We ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.